Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Innis Herald podcast. Today, we have on another Innis contributor because that's what we do on this show. Today, though, is a very special guest because all, all of you who are longtime listeners of the podcast will know that our founder, Catherine Dumay, is still a frequent contributor to the Innis Herald, and we have her on the show today to discuss what she's been up to since she stopped being the uh, podcast director and communications director or whatever the positions were called back when you were on the Herald. Uh, Catherine, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Marty. It's great to be back. Oh, it's good to have you back. So, well, I I thought about having you on since I saw your most recent uh, article, which will be coming out soon in the Herald. Um, and I thought, oh my God, I wonder what Catherine, I mean, I, I've spoken to you recently, but in terms of, uh, you know, you're, you, you got to give the Herald people, you know, updates on what you've been up to. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I wanted to talk to you about all the things that you've been doing. So, uh, first of all, if you wanted to give like a little update, basically to anybody who hasn't read your recent submission, what have you been doing? Oof. Um, so I think... It really just started. So first of all, let me just back that up. Um, the fact that I am no longer um, a current student of U of T. Uh, I still have my ID. I still have access to my email and so on. Um, but I am just now a graduating student of U of T, which is fun and exciting. Um, I finished my undergraduate degree back in December of last year and so um so I've, ever since january i've been just sort of like chilling at home applying for jobs and just trying to like you know also apply for grad school and just in taking life as it is i don't know it's really weird to sort of like see everybody's like panicking about school and figuring out their classes whereas i am just kind of like I don't know. I'm just chilling <laughs> for now um, and just trying to figure out where's this new life for me for it until I graduate in June. So that's kind of like how I've been. Um, ever since then, I have, uh, you know, I've applied to three different universities. Um, I've gotten a couple of responses, which I will be able to tell you a little bit later. Um, I have gotten a new job, which is where I'm working at right now for the next six months and yeah I'm just I mean, getting used to like getting this new you know position in life where I am not attached to a university or at least not for now you know what I mean like and so it's just like having this new schedule getting to the workforce is kind of like interesting and like just also trying to figure out where to like, what do I do now? It's kind of like how I approach that article where I was just kind of like summarizing, like, okay, what do you do for the next six months before you graduate or even after graduation and just seeing where life ends me up. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting couple of months. <laughs> um, and I can just being on the podcast now, you can tell I am not handling it really well in a sense that I am very nostalgic for some reason. Like, even though, like, at U of T, you just want to, like, escape. I feel like I want to stay here for some real reason, even though I've been here for five years. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a very so, chaotic way. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. You don't seem to be uh, 
doing a poor job. I, like you found a full time job for what, like six months. I mean, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that more later, though. I'm very curious. And then speaking of, this is actually one of the things I'm interested to talk to you about most of all. Speaking mm-hmm. of uh, graduating, you're going to be going to graduate school soon. So, mm-hmm. what sort of uh, graduate programs were you interested in? Um. So I. I was going to just continuing with my program, which is my major political science. Um, I was looking for, um, I actually applied to three different types of programs. Well, of course, three different universities, but like they're all similar, but they're just like a few key distinctions. So for U of T, I applied for their political science direct entry program. So when I say direct entry, they are combining masters and PhD together right. within five years. So you years. do, and you do it in a one less year, right? Uh, no, actually, it, like the masters for political science, at least according to their website, is actually just one year. And oh. then I know it's just so short. Um, but the PhD would have been like four years. So it's really just about the same amount of time you would have done it if you did all of them like separate but together, if you know what I mean, like back to back. Um, so that was U of T. And then I also applied to the University of Ottawa, which had a master's program in political science. And then I applied to Carleton University's uh, master's program for the legal studies program. Now, this one was really special for me because like, they have an accessibility specialization within that program. And so even though it's not, it's not going to be, it's not like a, when I say legal studies, it's not a, like a JD or like, you know, those like law school type things where you go to law school for they're not gonna. They're don't. They're not there to like prepare you to become a lawyer. It's rather just like an interdisciplinary program that allows you to do whatever like program you're in, like for example, political science, but have like a legal framework to work with. If that makes sense. Right. So it's not like pre-law. You're not trying no. to be a lawyer. Mm-mm. I had thought about it. Well, that would be good. I mean, you but you no. might enjoy a lawyer. I know you're a big. <laughs> Yeah, you're a big advocate for disability, so it'd probably be a very good career for you. I'm mm-hmm. sure you would enjoy it. But so w- what would you... Okay, so so those are the schools you applied to. And mm-hmm. what did you end up uh, hearing? I guess, actually, first of all, I would like to know, like, when you're applying to a graduate school, because I think every field is kind of different, mm-hmm. what are the steps you take to prepare yourself for grad school in uh, in a social science program like this? So are you doing research or are you trying to get reference letters or what, what kind of things? Okay, so for master's program, you mostly just need a few things. Well, actually, just also the PhD program as well, but... Just if you're just going with just the basics masters, you will need to have your references. I needed like at least two to four references from my professors or even professional references. Um, you will need a writing sample, meaning you have to pick your best essay from your undergraduate degree and maybe, you know, clean it up a little bit or if it's like the best like grade that you got for a paper uh if it's academic if it's within the particular programs like expectations like if it's political science 
you should write something that's from a political science course or um, if it's related to your topic, something else. Um, then you also would need uh, your transcripts, obviously. You would also need to write a statement of intent or research. Say. So for in the social sciences, grad school is, yes, you do coursework, but most of it is research. You're doing research. You're like researching any type of topic that you're interested in. Um, and one of the things that they look at is sort of understanding, okay, if you're going to do research here, we want to know what are you researching? How can we like support you? Why are we the best school for that particular research? Um, you know, like you're basically coming up with sort of like a thesis statement or like a research question that you want to explore and justify why it's important to research this particular topic. Um, and then also listing a couple of uh, professors who you would like to be supervised with, um, you know, people who have done the research that you're interested in or might be able to provide some type of insight that you need for that particular research. Um, so that's kind of like the gist of like the application sort of process. Um, although like the application deadlines were for U of T, it was January 8th, Carlton, January 15th, and then Ottawa was February 1st. And uh, I started the application process back in July. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. you were very prepared. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did it that way because the thing was like, sure, I could provide the other stuff, but what was hard was the writing, like the statement, that your research statement. Because back then I did not know what I was going to research. I just have like a broad understanding that I want to do something disability or accessibility related. I didn't know what exactly and so i spent months narrowing down doing basically research you know getting like a giant stack of books meeting with professors from different universities and or individuals who i think would be helpful in terms of like understanding like what is there in the research what's missing is there something i could like expand upon and so on and so yeah it took me a long time but i managed to like it took me until like i want to say december or november where i finally like narrowed it down to what i wanted to like say and then i had to then write the statement which then took multiple weeks and i got um a uh, professor from berkeley who was like um able to sort of like coach me week by week onto like okay yeah we need to fix that statement it's too broad or you need to do more research more literature review defines this topic all sorts of things um which was very helpful but it was very demanding to say the least i don't think people do the same extent that i did but like just like i've never applied for grad school before so i was just like pulling it all the stops anything to work yeah right you know i'm surprised about a number of things it seems like a very different process than because uh, i'm in physics as you remember so i want to go to grad school for physics mm -hmm. but i think most of the time a 
it's more about the professors. It's more about like reaching out to the professors and talking to them ahead of time. It's more about mm-hmm. who's your supervisor going to be. Mm-hmm. And then they give you a list of research projects. Although, I mean, I don't know that for sure. There, it may be work differently in some places. Also, I'm surprised that the deadline is like going into February for these uh, schools. I mean, mm-hmm. I think in other fields, it's like two months earlier or so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know for like undergrads, it was like, December was the late, the last deadline for school, but for grad school, they kind of, like, they, like, February was not even the latest application deadline. I think the the last one could have been, like, April. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I guess that's kind of nice then. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. So did you, did you have to reach out and coordinate with, with, uh, professors at these schools and then say like will you take me on as your student and that kind of thing yeah so i did that for u of t specifically um because you know when you're applying for a direct entry there's only two spots available so you're trying to like give any option to kind of uh see if they will take you on and then there's also i did the same thing for carlton university um I met with one of the professors there who um, was given was able to give me some advice on like how the application process works. I think one of the difficulties for me was finding professors was a finding professors was in uh, my like topic area because my topic disability um, well, at first it was disability politics, but it's been winding down to disability citizenship. Not a lot of people... It's a very niche topic. I mean, disability in general is a very niche topic. And so finding individuals who would do... Who have done research like that or, you know, stuff like that was going to be difficult. Um, but I was able to, you know, find individuals within political science who have done... Um, some either done some disability research or has done something related to citizenship, which is what I had to do to sort of branch out my options. Um, and then on top of that, I also had to find not only professors, but also um, realize not all the professors I reached out to were going to be able to supervise me. Instead, they would have to like be on the committee instead which is just like another like group of people around a supervisor to kind of like give more insight that the supervisor can't do. Interesting. So just for the sake of the listeners, can you explain more about your thesis or uh, about the disability citizenship? Because it sounded quite interesting when you described it to me before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this topic came from this book that I read for uh, a political science course. Um and this book was called uh, Absent Citizens, in which the author, Michael Prince, uh, wrote about or argued that persons with disabilities are, quote-unquote, absent citizens. Yes, we're citizens legally, like we have our passports, we have our um, citizenship in the most legal sense. Um, we do have rights, we do have freedoms like every other citizen. Um, however, in terms of like their participation in society, that was where they kind of realized that, well, they're not really participating as much because for some 
political science theorists, citizenship is not just what you get as a citizen, or like it's also what you do. So, for example, voting. You know, as a citizen, we're sort of expected or encouraged to vote. Um, and so, but the problem is that okay, either they, based off of their disabilities, they can't you know vote practically. Like you know, they can't see the ballot, they can't read the ballot, um, they can't access the polling stations, um, or just overall don't understand the implications of voting or what's on the table in terms of like their options and sort of thing, regardless of different types of disabilities. Or there is like physical inaccessibility of the polling station, for example. You know, there's no braille readers, there's no... Um, like physical Ramp inaccessibility like that. that. Yeah. So there's different factors um, that sort of like discourage their participation and that in itself is like, well, yes, we're able, we have the right to vote, but we're not given the opportunity to vote because they're just in a way discouraged from voting. And so that's kind of like what that book was about and I really liked it and so I sort of kneeled down into sort of understanding, okay, so that's what absent citizens are, like, what it looks like, but why is that the case? Is it really just physical inaccessibility, or is it something more attitudinal? Like, you know, does it, is it something how we perceive what citizenship is supposed to be? What does it look like? You know, like, does citizenship really have to be based off of, like, physical capacity in terms of like doing actions or can citizenship be something more than that and so that's kind of like the the questions i'm like sort of under trying to understand and i i I like it it's it's a it's an interesting topic and i really like to see where where it goes with that i might change it of course but i do think um you know it's a very important topic you know, right now, especially, uh, like, I don't know if you noticed in the news, but, like, Ontario has basically fallen behind on their track to making Ontario accessible by 2025, which is next year. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I guess I do see a few buildings still now and then which aren't accessible. Yeah. Which, if we're going to do it next year, they really got to get on that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So then um, once you're finished with your graduate degree, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think would be the plan after that? I mean, do you want to get a – so you, you want to get a doctorate. Do you want to go work in academia? Continue? Okay. I mean, yeah, I think I would like to do that. But it's not so much of like something where it's like long term where I'm like, oh, all I want to do is to become a professor. No, I do think I would rather – become get a doctorate for the expertise so Hmm. so basically i would become a professor i probably will have to teach because that's what you do as a professor but then also because now i have a doctorate and i'm able to sort of like prove to people hey i'm an expert in this particular topic i can then sort of share my expertise um, and do consultations with organizations and whatnot. Um, you know what I mean? So I think that was kind of the other thing. Another thing I also had thought about one time was like perhaps go to 
do law school, perhaps, you know, become or get in, um, get into the law world in a sense where I do the research and understanding the gaps now, but then be able to translate that knowledge to, like, you know, applying it to the law in terms of, like, okay, what what do we need? Like, what law or policies do we need to address this particular issue that I have found in my research? That's kind of, like, how I approach it in that sort of sense. But in, in general, I don't really know. We'll just, we'll just have to see where it takes me. But yeah, that's kind of, like, what I think I would like to do. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it could be it'd be very difficult planning for something that's, you know, five years down the road at minimum, like... <laughs> Or five and a half, I guess. Yeah. So I'm I'm in a similar kind of way. I mean, who knows what'll happen? Like, yeah, after graduate school, if I even get to the end of the PhD, you know, you could mm-hmm. uh, fall off at the, before the end of it. I mean, t- you know, who knows? Could you even could you work? Um, what could you do outside of academia with a with a PhD in political science? Could you do like public policy? Like, yeah, you do public or? policy. You could work for the government. Although if you work for the government, you will have to have a, you have to learn, you have to know French. <laughs> so that's the. Don't you already, you already speak French no. though, right? No, I do not. Don't let my last name oh. fool you, Heidi. Well, it's in, you know, the French language. It's like, it's in your blood, I feel like. And you've lived in Quebec for two years. I'm sure if you needed to, you could pick it up pretty quick. Uh, so you've applied to these three grad schools. Have you gotten, I guess the due date was just now. Have you gotten any uh, replies? Two. So, here's to say. <laughs> okay, remember how I said that Ottawa was, like, due February 1st? Yeah. I got a letter of an acceptance on January 31st. Oh. Yes. So you never applied there. <laughs> I applied. But, like, they just, like... Like, I applied in, like, in the, uh, um, like, around January... 15th like I submitted the application and then literally like two weeks later I get a letter of an acceptance I think they what they do is like an ongoing like acceptance it's until like they kind of ex- yeah, something like that because that's the only thing that makes sense as to why would they even accept me before the deadline was due to me it was just <laughs> it was just like the weirdest Thing. Like, I thought I wouldn't know about Ottawa until, like, March or something. But no, that's what happened. Um, and uh, currently I have, just because they gave me a deadline of February 19th to accept, I have accepted them just to keep them on, like, the table so that I can, like, see what happens with the other ones. But it's sort oh, of so- like, yeah. You can like revoke your acceptance yes. of the offer. From okay, what I understand, good. that is how I can do things. And I don't think the other universities also don't know if I accept or not, um, to other universities. But like it's it's great. I do think it's a good school and you know, I have family I have a, a cousin who goes to that school anyway and so like, you know, I, I feel like it, it could be a good choice. Um and we'll know we'll find out what happens in the fall where i end up going but if anything yeah it would i think probably, ottawa yeah 
It's a good school. What about what about uh, Toronto? Did you get back to you? U of T has declined. They rejected my application. Oh. Yeah. So what a poor choice. <laughs> Wrong of them. Incorrect decision, unfortunately. Oh well. Better luck next time, U of T. Yeah, they You're are. Her. <laughs> they are giving me a second chance because remember I said I applied to the direct entry. That's basically the PhD program, right? Oh, so, you didn't. Get, you just didn't get the PhD direct entry. No. However, oh, well then your kids still. I mean, don't I give can, up now. No, no. So they are giving me the second chance of like adding my application to the master's pool. So I won't know anything until March. When they well, you'll do probably interview. get that. I mean, like, I probably will. Remember, you're like an incredible applicant, right? I should be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, man. We'll we'll find out if if U of T will accept me. I at least meet the requirements technically. So the to the listeners, the only I've only seen Catherine twice this year. But the the first time I saw her was at an award ceremony or something, and uh, I I was just getting like some random award like for a certain GPA, and then I get there and I'm looking at the playbill and I see Catherine is like taking home the biggest medal, and I'm like holy holy shit, Catherine like bringing home the hardware. You had like or actually there's like four or five awards you won mm-hmm. that night. Two. It was nuts. <laughs> Oh, it was probably a five or so. I think it was more than no, just two. It I was have, crazy, though. I will, okay. It was like the two biggest ones. You know, I, I, for me, it was yeah. like 60 other people won the award. For you, it was like, no, it was like this award, Catherine, the next award. I was like, oh, my God. Y- yeah, okay. Awesome. I will admit I have been lucky to receive a couple of awards at, during my time at U of T. So I will admit, yeah, I, I do have... I am a good candidate, so we'll we'll find out. Um, <laughs> I don't want to put my hopes too much because I definitely did not recover really well from the not getting into the direct entry one. Um, so it was just like you I know, know. I, but, I'm sure those are extremely competitive. Yeah, like, there's, I, I, I mean, they only have they only ex- yeah they only accept two spots anyway. So it was going to be a very high hill to battle, and plus like. They wanted people who have like a three point seven GPA, and I'm just like, how does anyone? I don't even know anyone who does have. Like, I don't know one person who has that GPA, but like, like I tried to get as close as I could, but I didn't even make it. So we'll find out. Um, and then Carlton, Carlton, I won't know until March. So yeah. That's kind of. I'm sure I'll get the Carlton. Yeah, I mean, you got the Ottawa. Yeah, well, got... Ottawa is a, probably like. Is Carlton have a really good philosophy program or something? Or sorry, political science. I meant to say. They do have a political science program. However, I just saw the accessibility specialization, and oh. I just went with that. They didn't have one for the political science program. Perhaps I should have applied to both and just see what happens. But honestly, I was like, if I was going to apply to any of them, I would have applied just to the one that had an accessibility specialization. <laughs> well, I'm sure Ottawa's probably better, right? They, they have, I mean, there's one professor who who has done, like, disability, like, politics 
ish. So like he's like the the one who you want to get as a supervisor for that. So in my book, it's pretty good. Also, it's Ottawa. It has like a a pretty decent um citizenship program, like 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 research center. Right. Um, you know, and of course, you know they have. Like, like all universities, they also have scholarships as well. And so, yeah, I think it's it's a good school. And also, it's like, it's the capital. It's at the capital, so. That's true. And <laughs> if, if you're doing the government, maybe you could pick up French there, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you got into grad school. Yeah. At, at a good school. So I feel like that's all there is. I'm sure you'll get the U of T one, though. Do you think you would accept the U of T if you got... That one? That is the question I've been pondering for like the past week and a half. Because the thing was, for U of T, like it is a good school, don't get me wrong. Like it has, it has a good, strong political science program. My question was just figuring out who would be my supervisor, and that's the one that I struggled with. I found people who I thought could be potentials, but I I think I would have to do, like, join the program first and, like, take the whole courses and then introduce myself to the program's professors and just sort of understand um, what's there and to become more familiar to what what people's research are because instead of just looking at the bios on the, on the webpage, because the bios don't really tell you much they probably tell you right, a couple right. things but not so much in detail so i think if i were to like actually meet with these professors and actually like get a sense of what people's research is and then how they overlap with mine perhaps they might be better but right now uft is sort of because there's no longer the direct entry it has fallen <laughs> from first place to like third out of the three um Carlton, <laughs> Carl- uh. maybe I'm just being a bit petty because they rejected me, but who cares? Um, I don't, and also there's also the the thing was that all professors that I've met at UFD in the, my political science program have been telling me that they really encourage their students to don't go back to UFD for their grad study, go somewhere else. And then come back for your like PhD. Like that's kind of like what they keep telling me. Simply because yeah, I have heard that. Yeah. Like to me, I think it's weird as to why you would send your top applicants to another university. But it's just because U of T prides itself as like the like one of the most interdisciplinary. Um, like research hubs, they really value like people's expertise from different backgrounds. It's basically if they were to accept me as like one of the like um, scholars, they would just be sort of teaching somebody who's already familiar with te- like perfect U of T's like research um, habits. If you know what I mean, so. Like, I wouldn't, like, contribute to U of T in a meaningful way because I already have, like, that they're, they're the one who taught me all I know right. about research. The only way I differentiate from other candidates is what I'm researching. That's the only leg up I have. Well, but, I suppose, although, I mean, I, I 
because of who you are and the background you have in disability advocacy, I am sure that you would, will you, you, I'm sure you will do very well. I mean, I don't know what the metric is that people judge uh, political science theory, not in that world, but I am assuming you'll do like, you'll be able to contribute a lot of Oh yeah, for knowledge. sure. For sure. But you just have a lot of experiential knowledge about this. I mean, you mm-hmm. being a person who's done so much work in this in that in that area. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyways, as I was saying before, back to, I I did have uh, like a more recent uh, events in your life. So when you were applying to jobs for this period of time, mm-hmm. uh, like what sort of areas were you trying to get employment? I mean, what sorts of things were you looking to do? So first, I wanted I was applying for two types of things. I was applying for internships, um, because like I, you know, if I'm gonna plan on going back to school in the fall, I don't think right. it's better to just take a temporary job. But then on top of that, I wanted a job that was full time. Like I'm done with part time money. I, you know what I mean. Like I, I wanna be able to work a nine to five you know, <laughs> type of job experience. And so that was kind of like what I'm looking for in terms of specific jobs. I was looking for like anything in journalism because I wanted to sort of explore that. You know, I, I've been writing for the Interterrorist and Diversity for, I don't know, since 2020. And so I, I just really wanted to kind of develop my skills as a writer and be able to write for newspapers and actually make money from that. You know, I think that would be really fun for me, you know, sort of continuing my role as like an accessibility correspondent, maybe, I don't know, but just trying to do something. Then there was also um, jobs that were looking at organizations. So um, the previous job that I had before this was for the Canadian Heart of Hearing Association. And so I got that job because I was just searching from the ID, basically. And I just, you know, it's a disability organization. And, you know, they've been really great to me. And I really wanted to, like, find other organizations like them where I can, like, work organization that aligns with my values and what I am passionate about and just also become more aware of other issues that they address and stuff like that. And, but at the same, but in terms of like, what would that job look like? Well, I had to go back onto my own experience, which was communications. That's what I've been doing for like, uh, the past three years, you know, like I've done, I was the communications director for the Inner Herald. I do writing for the varsity. Um, I, you know, I've also do other type of project management and all sorts of things. So it was, if anything, it would have been like a communications job, and which is what I ended up getting. What were you? What are you doing as a uh, a communications person? I mean, like, are you do, you're writing press releases and that kind of thing? So, so. The current job that I do is like the role is like a communications and programming assistant. And so I basically do like in communications, you're mostly managing like websites and social media uh, roles. Anything that has to be written, you're doing that. Press releases, biotech, right. bullet points, stuff like that. Um, 
but for the job that I'm doing right now, currently it is an interesting setup where I'm basically, uh, it's basically an internship, a glorified internship, and where uh, I'm able to do, like, for the next six months, I will, or at least I'll be doing different things every month. So the first three months, I'm like, this month is going to be communications. Next month is going to be programming. And then the start of the month is going to be doing special projects with the organization's uh, director. And then after the three months, I get a data check-in and then see where I sort of fall. Like, where do I fall between those three um, roles and like see which one I prefer to do which one I'm better at, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like what the what my job entails. And it's really fun. I get to do a lot of things I've done before, different projects, um, and just, you know, it, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. I'm glad you enjoy it. That sounds interesting. So... So then you're just going to be working there until like the end of August or do you have yeah, a vacation yeah. period? I, August, August 5th is my like last day working for that. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. So you do have a month to get suited and move and whatever else if you need to move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good. And then I had one last question for you. Uh, I was curious. You had said in your article that you had been writing a high fantasy novel. Now, I'm a huge fan of fantasy novels. So, Are you I'm really? I didn't curious. know that. What is your, what is your, uh, what, uh, first of all, are you also a big fan of that genre? Yes. However, I have not read anything in that genre for like the past five years. I haven't really read much books in general <laughs> because U of T basically ruined my love of reading i used to be like a big bookworm like i would read a book a day type of thing Whoa. but like I've, I've never been able to do that <laughs> but like i just i don't know like the fantasy today is just kind of like i don't even because i have been not been reading anything so far i don't even know which books are good anymore and then also like my no recommendations sm- yes please send- right? <laughs> <laughs> please do um yeah but yeah good. what is your book about what is your idea you don't have to say if you don't want to oh i will i won't go into much detail <laughs> but like it's not every damn act about what i'm writing just a little just a little teaser you know mm. so basically you have It's a story about betrayal. Betrayal between friends, siblings, and lovers. Especially siblings. So, you have a fantasy, like, I don't want to keep saying medieval, but like, yes, you have princesses and kings and whatnot. Um, And the only thing is, is that these, these are not humans. The main characters are not humans. They are sort of humanoid bird creatures. Um, and they, you know, they look like, like the best way I could describe it to them is like, they look like angels, like the typical angels that you know, they have like the human body, but then they have wings strapped on their backs. However, the, the only additional thing that they have is that they have talons for feet. And so 
they live in like you know these islands in the sky and all sorts of things and there is a human world that just like just below the islands but like we're mostly focused in the islands in the sky and you know you have there's three characters three main characters three male male characters all of them wants to get the title of crown prince but that's what the whole plot sort of revolves about wanting to become the crown prince because you know it's the title you just become like the next king type of thing but they all have different the thing is that two of them are brothers like they're twins and so like they care for each other but then like are are they willing to like sacrifice their brotherhood in order to fight for the crown is the type of the, the type of the question that happens. The third person is actually like uh he also wants to be crown prince simply because his title of prince was stripped from him and so he's sort of like on a revenge quest and will just basically manipulate his way back to getting his you know, goal. And so that's kind of like the gist of the novel. It's it's fun. The only problem is like it's like I've changed the story so many times since two thousand eighteen when I came up with it. And so this is how it is currently. I haven't really written anything really I've written I've tried writing it. I got to like six chapters in and then I realized none of this doesn't work so I threw it out. Um and then start over and so oh well that's how tolkien wrote the lord of the rings so if it worked (laughs) for him i'm sure you'll be able to produce something of similar quality yeah he was also uh not an author he was just like some guy with a he would just did linguistics at oxford Mm -hmm. so i don't know maybe you'll you'll come out of here and you'll produce some uh shakespearean epic on like you know maybe it'll be like a you could even do it like about disability i mean i don't know if that's yeah there is one at least one character who has a disability obviously i have to put that in somewhere um it's gotta be your uh your magna your magnum opus you know your 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 (laughs) treatise yeah yeah i i've had written like novels before i've written and you could you could actually find them on webpad actually at least one of them, or at least oh. a couple of them. Um, where I like that was what I did when I was in high school. Like I love to write. I've been writing ever since I was like eight years old. But like in terms of like making novels, like that was like in high school, just writing that. Like a lot of it were fantasy. Like I came up with the first one was like a cat version. Like it's sort of like what the um the warriors were about but like in the city and not so much in the forest because uh, i thought that was just kind of weird that there was like a lot of forest animals but like cats also live in cities you know i don't know and then there was also like one time i was like really into like disney and fairy tales and so i was like why don't i like combine um Robin Hood and Snow White's like story plot or what have you, because um, I was inspired by the Lunar Chronicles from Melissa Meyer that was I was reading at the time, and that now I also have other 
you know, plot bunnies. Like I have like a contemporary novel <laughs> that I have that I've been like actually writing a little bit. Like I wrote a couple of vignettes or short stories about the characters and now I've managed to sort of narrow it down to like one character where she's like a warrior who's trying to save a con- like a building from being like demolished because it used to be like her father's building or something like that and all that fun stuff and and so yeah it's really I like writing stories I, I come up with more story ideas than I actually write them unfortunately but one oh, day it's like that but one day I will actually force myself to write a book and actually get it actually traditionally published because that would be fun. It would continue the tradition of my grandmother who also is a published author. So mm. I, I well, should. I might as well. I'll definitely read them when you come out with them. Well, mm. anyways, I got to say, Catherine, thank you for coming on the show. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will uh, see you in the next one. Um, uh, I hope you have a good day. Thank you, Catherine, for coming on. Do you have any closing thoughts? Any uh, last uh, words for the Innis Herald? Maybe for the last time. I don't know if you'll be on again. This is this might be your last hurrah on the Innis Herald podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I think I just think that you, you know, pick up the next book when it uh pick up the next uh issue when it comes issue, out. Copy, yeah. You know, and contribute when you get a chance. I think it's. You know, it's really, I think one of the things I really liked about, you know, the, the podcast, but also like the newspaper, is just the fact that we just have a fun community and like seeing, like, I don't know if you've been on the distribution team, Marty, but like just seeing I have the, been. yeah, a couple yeah. times. Like to see how many people just like rush up to you or something and just like, or just walking by and they see you distribution and they're like, oh, is that the next, you know, issue and they pick it up and like actually reading it interesting you know what i mean this kind of proves mm-hmm. to me like oh yes the newspaper genre is not dying it's a lot of fun all right well thank you uh i guess everybody i'll see you in the next one